Hi, I'm Abby Mercado, an IVF mom, former VC investor, and CEO of Rescripted. Welcome to the Future of Fertility, a podcast dedicated to shining a light on the entrepreneurs and innovators who are changing the face of family building. With billions in funding over the past few years, we'll introduce you to the people, the ideas, and the businesses that are changing the fertility industry and in turn, millions of people's lives. The future of fertility is bright. Now let's get into it. Jessica Bell Vanderwall is the co-founder and CEO of Frame Fertility. Frame Fertility is the first and only evidence-based platform that enables the early identification of fertility risk and care navigation, leading to a better fertility and overall health. Frame was inspired by Jessica and her husband, Corey's own challenging fertility journey, and they became dedicated to giving everyone the power to pursue parenthood confidently and on their own terms. Jessica and I first met on the Parenthood Ventures Slack channel, shout out to our friend Charlotte, and very much hit it off during our first Zoom date. I know a talented founder when I see one, so I am thrilled to have Jessica in my very own orbit. Welcome, Jess. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. And yes, you are spot on. It was a great first conversation. Uh, shout out to Charlotte and the, the Parenthood uh, group and really excited to continue the conversation. Yay. Well, cool. Well, so um, first, I would love for you to tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself um, and maybe one fun fact that few people know. Awesome. I'm happy to. So again, Jessica, uh, originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. So as soon as I say that, I feel like all the North Carolinians out there will hear the accent in my voice. And it, was, it was the Lana. That's, yeah, I, that's, exactly. I heard the Lana and it was like, yeah, okay, I know where you're from. <laughs> you can't avoid it. As much no. as I, I feel like my Southern accent has gone away, there's certain words um, and then <laughs> certain times, like when I talk to my mother on the phone. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of me, you know, I have spent my entire career in healthcare. Uh, my roots are actually in public health. And that's very much kind of how I think about the world and problems in, in healthcare is with that public health lens. So um, shout out to my alma mater, uh, UNC Chapel Hills Pu- School of Public Health, where I received that uh, initial training. And, you know, after that, um, I've spent a variety of different kind of uh, terms of service within the healthcare arena, working with providers in the early part of my career, doing a lot of EMR and CPOE implementations. And, and then soon after going to business school is when I really started to kind of quote unquote pivot into digital health. And I have primarily spent a lot of my time in the B2B2C digital health arena, working with employers and also payers. Um, I worked at a company called Castlight Health for around six years, which was a tremendous experience, really great people I got to work with. Um, and I've also played a role at a variety of other digital health companies, including companies like Sword Health and FoodSmart, and primarily have led teams in growth and marketing. And, and you know, how I came to found Frame, though, was more of an intersection of, of personal and professional. And I'm, you know, happy to obviously share the, the genesis of the story. But I think the biggest thing to know about me is I love healthcare. I am through and through going to always be in healthcare and working at mission-driven companies. And it's amazing to now be at the helm of, of a company that I believe is on a very important mission. And then I'd say the, the fun fact about me is, I mean, I'm literally looking at my, my desk right now. There's a photo in the, the right corner of myself and my father at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro when I was 19 years old. 
So I'm a bit of an adventure junkie. Like you can definitely talk me into jumping out of planes and taking, you know, intense hikes. I, you know, somehow wound up going to Everest Base Camp a few years ago. Um, and so I, I'm just a lover of all things outdoors and again, kind of <laughs> adrenaline junkie at heart. So um, yes, you can, you can talk me into crazy excursions, which I'm sure my, my husband would now tell you to avoid, but I will always be up for, for trips like that. That is such a fun fact. Um, I would say that starting a startup is kind of like uniquely for a an adventure <laughs> junkie. So like I think that is my form of adventure. But wow, that's um so are you like constantly training for all of these adventures or like what, uh, what is that like for you? It's funny because I'll say that obviously this used to be a, a big part of my life is like trying to find the next crazy trip. Uh, now two years post mom, um, I feel like surviving, becoming a mom and being a parent is really, uh, the, the battle that I am, you know, constantly up and down on. And then obviously I threw in there starting a company, uh, which I also, also happened to found with my husband. So we are a wife husband team. So I think I've got the kind of crazy buckets checked all of a sudden in yes. other ways. Yes, I'm. I'm pretty sure you do. Um, that's <laughs> awesome, though. I'm. I am. I'm jealous. I. I wish I was like that. I'm not. But um, yes, I would agree with you that parenthood is is an adventure in and of itself. So, um, well, so I, I want to dig in just a little bit. So, for the person who it who hears the term public health and is like, oh my gosh, what is that? So, like, do you go to school to like to not be a doctor? Like, are you you know kind of focused on? the things that doctors aren't like tell for the public health newbie. What is that? What did you study? Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Cause as you say that, I mean, I'll, I'll admit that the reason I actually majored in public health is because I was pre-med. So, um, I was thinking about, you know, what other majors, what other focus areas I could use to complement all of these, you know, classes and bio and, and chemistry. And I somehow believed that, you know, I didn't want to just go down that same path with all of the kind of science-related uh, majors. And so I did public health because I thought it would be a great compliment. Um, and then I kind of fell in love with public health and population health and kind of all the, the kind of terms wrapped up in that bucket and, and actually decided not to go down the pre-med track. So it's kind of interesting because I, I did that because I wanted to complement my pre-med courses and do something a little different. But in the end, that was the path that led me to where I am and, and actually led me more to the business side of healthcare. Um, and, and I'll say I have a lot of love for both sides of the equation. I think they're both obviously important. But, you know, public health, you're right. It does have this kind of like generic umbrella term. Um, I think the parts of it that I am really attached to, because at its core, it's really about, you know, preventing disease prolonging life and promoting uh, health across communities was that really that last piece. So how do you basically bolster health through community work, through partnerships, through organized efforts and kind of organizations um, at the core of your city, state, you know, federal government? So how do you, again, kind of unify those organizations around this topic of health and wellness and kind of the the core of what really helps to bolster the growth of the community. And, you know, obviously we've had a lot of public health crises over the past couple of years. You know, one of those being COVID. I think we're in a, the middle of another one with some, some recent um, uh, kind of legislative action too. And so I think it's really, again, about how do you make sure that you are supporting the health and wellness of your communities? And that's, again, where I have a lot of appreciation and, and love for that kind of concept at its core. 
Yeah, I love that. And, you know, it's, it's the reason, it's one of the reasons that, that we started this podcast. We see, you know, so many, so many people like the, the founder market fit is, is so perfect um, in this industry. And, you know, we'll of course get into that, you know, as we, as we move into talking about frame, but, you know, you also see that people who work in the healthcare industry, who work in digital health, they're just trying to figure out where they can make the most impact. And it sounds like when you received your education, you thought you would follow a certain path, but you actually found a way to make a bigger impact um, yeah. by taking another path. And I think that's so wonderful and so admirable. So thank you for doing that for all of us. Um, and I, so I had another kind of follow-up question about your, you know, just your background before starting Frame. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like you have, you've had a lot of experience in the B2B2C realm yeah. um, and would love to just understand some of just the, the fundamental challenges and successes of B2B2C. I think you're you're so like uniquely able to, to speak to this, but a lot of founders have seen a lot of challenges in this area. And I'm just interested to understand how in your prior roles, you were able to overcome some of these challenges and some of the learnings that you've taken into frame. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it, it it's been you know, a great arena to be trained and to learn in. Um, again, I, I really learned a ton through my years at Castlight Health and then obviously got to share a lot of those learnings with other companies I advise and support even today. But I don't think I've cracked the code. If I had, I'd probably <laughs> would have been doing that, um, you know, full-time all the time in many ways. But, you know, definitely learned a lot. I think it's it's easy, unfortunately, to say, oh, well, this is just something I'm going to go sell to employers. And But, you know, for better or worse, it's, again, it's interesting because, you know, about 10 or so years ago is when I was first in the kind of employer B2B2C world. And that was when this was a new idea even to sell to employers. And now, I mean, it's been an explosion across digital health companies to sell to employers. So there's just a lot of noise, even more noise now than there there ever has been. And so I think, you know, my takeaways is there's, there's kind of no avenue within healthcare that is easy. It's really finding where your solution is going to have the most impact. Um, and I think that is something that, you know, I, I'm obviously thinking a lot about at Frame, but you know, within the employer arena in particular, you know, again, there's just a lot of solutions. And so I think one of the things that companies can do best is actually think about ways to partner, ways to to leverage what currently exists. And rather than always thinking about selling direct, that can, again, feel like the, the right way to start out, but it's it's not easy. And so I think working together, uniting with other solutions that are complementary is a, a key element that I think can often be overlooked as you're thinking about the employer space, but I think can be a really nice way to kind of get into the, the arena too. Um, I think the other thing to remember is, you know, B2B2C in itself has a bit of a challenge because there is a B in the middle. And so thinking about your end consumer engagement strategies first is going to be super critical. And, I, and again, I think that's, that's something 
where it can be easy to overlook. Great. I sold an employer. I sold, you know, um, uh, a payer. And now obviously people are going to use my product, but that's, that's not a given. And so building those strategies in, whether that's into contracting or into those initial dialogues as a fundamental piece that's going to be critical to your success is, is paramount. Um, and so that's another big thing that I learned a lot in my prior experiences. You have to codify your engagement best practices at the the very beginning of the dialogue. If not, you know, trying to run uphill and try to get another email out, another postcard out is going to be difficult. Um, and, and sometimes it takes creative solutions too. And it's it's been neat to see people kind of attack these things from different angles. I think that's why you're seeing these kind of new employer marketplaces too, where, you know, people can kind of almost shop for their benefits instead of for it all being on the benefit leader. So again, there's no kind of slam dunk here. It's not an easy space to say I'm I'm selling to employers, but I do think that there's some fundamentals that are important to learn before you enter the space. And a lot of those are around partnerships. And then again, your kind of employee engagement strategy. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was such an excellent summary. I know there's, you know, I think in the past, the past, I don't know what, three, four or five years, there's been kind of within the B2B2C space, it's been you see a lot of companies who are taking the approach, okay, let's like start out with a niche product. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, let's sell this to the consumer. Let's get a lot of traction and then let's go to the B. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an approach that, I mean, does it work? Does it not work? It seems like there's, you know, there's yeah. different ways to go about it. So, um, yep. well, thank you for educating us on, on all of those things. Um, and without, um, you know, let's just, let's get to the chase. I want to hear about frame. So tell us, tell us the founding story and just, you know, the moment that you knew that you wanted to take that leap and, you know, would love, if you're open to sharing it, would love to hear a little bit more about your and Corey's personal story and um, how you guys decided to do this together. Yes. Yes. Back to that, that crazy decision. Um, So yes. So Corey is my, my husband, my partner. Um, He is now a partner in so many different ways, obviously company, um, father and, and obviously husband and very lucky to have him in my life. And I think, you know, to your, your comment about when it felt like this was going to be the thing for us, because obviously when you start a company, I don't, I don't think I even fully appreciated then how much you really need to care a ton about what you are starting, because this is going to be your, you know, kind of focus for the next five, 10, 15 years, at least of your life. And so it needs to be something you're very invested in. And I, I kind of knew that, when it was almost like a collision of factors. And so kind of the, the long story short on us is, you know, we're, we're just like everybody else. Um, we're, you know, a, a couple that, you know, ended up getting married in our early thirties. And, you know, we thought about having a family around then, and, you know, even had some conversations with some providers and others. And, you know, we were kind of told not to worry about it, just try when you're ready. And if it doesn't work, come back. And, you know, for better or worse, we ended up trying when I was over the age of 35, which is one of those scary labels that you hear in the space over the age of 35, which, you know, age is just one factor is something, you know, people should remember. But, you know, once we did that, all of these things surfaced, underlying conditions, challenges on my side, challenges on his side. And it felt like we had just hit a wall in terms of all these surprises and things that I didn't know. I I felt you know, wildly unprepared for. And it it really took us for a tailspin, you know, financially, mentally, emotionally, physically. I mean, I I stepped away from 
the workplace in a lot of ways to deal with this. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're one of the lucky ones after a lot of ups and downs, you know, we ended up using fertility treatment and we have a daughter as a result. And I'm super grateful for that. Um, but in, in retrospect, you know, a lot of the things that we encountered could have been identified earlier. And had we had support in the journey earlier, we could have also at least understood some of the risk factors and made different decisions. And that's, that's not an uncommon journey. We have, we've heard this from so many different people. I mean, reproductive anxiety, the kind of stress people go through in starting their family starts early. I mean, it actually starts in your late teens, early twenties. And I think people think that, you know, you're not thinking about a family when you're younger, but you know, many people are, and that's definitely something we have tapped into. But most people also don't know the basics of fertility, whether it's ovulation or even some of the building blocks, because really all you're taught is how to avoid um, pregnancy and how to avoid having a family in the early part of your life. But, you know, then once you find out all the pieces, oftentimes it can feel like it's quote unquote too late. And so what we set out to do with Frame is help people on the journey earlier. We really want to help support people in understanding their options, understanding potential risks based on the goals they have for their family. And I think the light bulb moment came for us once, you know, I was around six months pregnant, so it felt kind of safe <laughs> to start, you know, focusing on something else in my life. Um, ironically, COVID had hit and both of us were in a bit of stage of transition with our careers. It just was kind of one of those interesting times where we had actually just worked on something together. We had space to really think. All of a sudden, we're now trapped indoors, pregnant, and there's a public health crisis happening around us. And I think like a lot of people started thinking about what really matters and, and what we wanted to focus our time and energy on. And we actually looked at the space for a long time. Um, I thought about joining one of the companies in this space. Um, I did some advising and consulting as well in the fertility space. And, and I just couldn't find the solution for what we went through. And so, you know, we're two sides of one coin, ironically, from a digital health perspective. Again, I come from kind of growth, marketing, employer, payer, and, and Corey actually comes from product engineering analytics um, in the provider and pharma space. And so... Yep, we're trapped indoors. All of a sudden, we start thinking, we start brainstorming, we start talking to everyone and anyone that would talk to us. I mean, we you're, you're like, I, I want a foot yeah. massage, pickles, ice cream, and for <laughs> you to write some lines of code. Exactly, exactly, right? <laughs> um, and to reach out to all the clinicians on PubMed that have ever written anything on this topic, because uh, that's what you do, right? Um, yeah, of course. And so those conversations really, you know, brought to the surface this is a challenge that people are aware of. In fact, providers are aware of too, that it's kind of a blind spot in the patient journey. And we could do something about it. We could actually kind of unify the research and create a digital health product that would help to support people on the journey. Um, and, and that's what we spent basically the next year building is putting the pieces together with a team of experts layering in a human touch, because I'm a, a big advocate of, you know, I think in healthcare, it's easy to say technology is going to solve everything. But I think the the tech and services blend is super critical, uh, especially to drive behavior change. And so we have combined technology with coaching. And, you know, the, the results so far have been really exciting to see. So we built the solution that we wanted for ourselves, but we also built the solution that, you know, after talking to probably thousands of people at this point, other people believe that they're not getting and, and seeing as well. And so, you know, we're people's family building and fertility advisor, and we're on the journey with them from just curious all the way through to, 
you know, having a child or maybe even going through treatment. It's, it's the full spectrum support that we're providing. So amazing. Love frame. Um, I, I also love like all the way back to the beginning, I took a, a quick note when you mentioned that you really have to care about what you're doing. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's no better founder story than, you know, solving a problem than that you yourself experienced. Like you knew exactly how you wanted to solve this problem. And I love that you, you know, you, you looked for a job at companies that you thought were solving this problem, but they actually weren't. Um, and I also thought it was really interesting when you mentioned that reproductive stress and anxiety starts in somebody's late teens and in early twenties, how, where, tell us more about that data. That is absolutely fascinating. Yes, it's actually been supported by a few different sources. So I think um, that one actually came out of a a recent white paper uh, that was published by um, one of the players that's actually in this space. But it, you know, again, as we talk to people, I'll I'll say, you know, our users actually skew much younger than we expected. I mean, they're in their 20s just as often as they're in their 30s, and 85% of them are just curious or starting to plan. And so, you know, again, I think everybody centers around once you're trying to conceive and or struggling as being the kind of intersection point to support people. But people are having these discussions or at least these worries in their mind much earlier. And I think Gen Z, even more than millennials, are are really thinking about these things earlier. We have a fair amount of men using our products that come to us, whether they're single or partnered. Um, And again, I think more and more, you know, people are focused on this concept of holistic health and also kind of knowing where they are on the spectrum early. And there's this element of the financial side that I think is very, very real. And people don't want to have to go through a crisis around building their family that's also going to impact them financially. And, you know, for those of us that have been through the the treatment journey, it is not cheap um, in any way, shape or form. Uh, And so again, I think more and more, there's just momentum for people to be thinking about these things earlier and to be seeking solutions in a similar way. I love it. Um, I know that you have some data that you've, that you've published that, and, you know, this is something that I've really loved about frames since the very beginning, but so many, so many people think like, yes, IVF is expensive. Yes. There are some people, including myself and, you know, my partner, my husband that had to go through IVF to have a child, but so many people think that IVF is actually the only answer. Um, when, starting to think about this a little bit earlier, just understanding the data, getting yourself educated, like that actually might be the answer for you. Um, So I love that you're creating this, this greater access for people who are, who are interested in having families. And I know that, I mean, nine out of 10 people in the United States want to have kids. Um, This is obviously a really important issue. Um, So if let's say, you know, and I would love to get to the go to market in just a little bit, but I, I want to talk a little bit about the product first. So let's say that my employer has offered me frame fertility. Like what, what do I have access to? Yep. No, thanks for asking. So, um, so yes, employers is, is one of the, the channels that we provide access to frame. Um, and I think, you know, the, the core element of why I think this is obviously a, appealing for, employers is, you know, they are obviously looking for ways to improve their employee health and well-being. I mean, right now there's a lot of focus on on mental health as well too. And there's definitely an overlap between mental health and fertility. But I think the other, you know, reality is what you just mentioned. It it is also not cheap to 
throw money at this problem too. And so we can actually, again, hopefully help people start this journey earlier and or address things with less invasive solutions. I mean, nobody, nobody signs up wanting to go through fertility treatment for sure. Um, and so in terms of the employer journey, there's a couple of things that uh, you have access to. So first and foremost, we do a kind of holistic uh, fertility assessment or or kind of report, which is basically we ingest a lot of data um, across a variety of different factors, all substantiated by research, starting with your goals. So where are you in the journey? How many children might you want? And obviously those things may change, but kind of where are you? And it may also be that you don't want children today. Um, and that's one of the biggest focus areas. And we can definitely help to support you there too. But then we understand some of your medical history, reproductive history, your lifestyle, your finances, et cetera. So based on all of that data, there is then a fertility assessment or report generated that is provided to you. Um, and that is all paired with that coaching journey that I mentioned. So you are assigned a one-to-one -one dedicated coach that not only walks you through that report, but then coaching counsels you on your next steps, which again, is gonna really help you to get questions answered, feel like you're supported by someone throughout the journey. You know, a lot of people don't feel like they can turn to their friends or, or to their doctors at this stage in the journey. And so having that coach is a really nice pairing along the journey and they can be kind of that third party unbiased support. Um, you also get quite a few other things. So we also have a network of partners that we work with and we kind of call this the, the frame marketplace. And we can basically help to serve up to you relevant products and services that may be relevant based on where you are in your journey. And we also uh, typically get a discount for you um, on behalf of those partners. So it could be that you need a prenatal vitamin because you are actually, you know, within three to six months of starting to plan, or it might be that semen analysis and, and, and testing is going to be a next step. And so across all of those different verticals, we have a partner um, that has been more or less vetted by our clinical team and advisory board and plugged into our product and you get access to those at a discount. So that's another key piece that you get through Frame, really simplifying the, the noise out there um, in a variety of buckets. It's really hard to know kind of which prenatal vitamin to pick. Um, we also help you to navigate to providers so we can help you find an in-network provider based on your insurance and coverage. We can help you unpack your insurance coverage and your benefits, which also could be helping you understand if you have coverage for fertility treatment. Um, and then finally, you know, educational content, webinars, videos, like we're constantly creating content or working with great people like Rescripted to serve up to you content that is very okay. relevant based on where you are. So again, it's all about kind of sifting through the noise. I think the biggest thing I want people to feel is supported and not overwhelmed. This is a overwhelming journey as it is. So if we can help you get your questions answered and direct you to that kind of relevant and I'd say research-driven resource, like that is our goal. And so everything we do is going to really be with that focus. Yeah. It's it's like if you provide people with these tools, these resources, you know, they can be a better advocate for themselves on this journey, which is, I mean, I don't have the research. I don't have like the exact right. number, but this is this is like maybe the most important journey you'll go on in your life. Yep. <laughs> the journey to to build your family, to build the family of your dreams. Um, yep. So yeah, um, and it baffles amazing. me. How did how did we get there? Like you have support on with your finances or buying a house. Like you have these support partners and services. To me, it's crazy that you don't have that for fertility and family building. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us, you mentioned kind of the employer route. So yeah. um, tell us a little bit about your go-to-market. You know, I, I have a, you know, I might have an idea of why you chose <laughs> the employer space. You have yep. a lot of experience in it and they have a lot of money and that's how our healthcare system yeah. works. So anyway, tell, tell us, tell us about your go-to-market and, you know, how you and Corey thought through that and all the things. Yeah. 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 So, um, we're maybe one of the unique companies, uh, in general in that we, we did not start direct to consumer. So, um, we did kind of poll users. We did kind of get feedback more broadly when we first were thinking about this conceptually to understand would people use this? Would they buy it? Um, so we did kind of do that exercise, but we actually in many ways kind of have always been B2B to C. Um, our initial launches of this product in 2021 were with providers. So we actually worked with OBGYNs to provide this to their patients. And that has been, you know, definitely a, a key element of our strategy since day one, which is partnering with providers. I'm a big advocate of working with the system, working with providers to bring this into their workflow. And um, they, again, they acknowledge this is something that they want to offer to their patients, but often they don't have time. And so we've been working with OBGYN since the very beginning. Now we're expanding to, into PCPs and even some REIs as well too. So Again, we have been focused on distribution through providers um, from the early days. And then in 2022, we did start launching with employers. So this is an employer benefit that we can work with employers to offer to their employees. Um, and so that's been really great because I think we've been able to demonstrate really quickly the engagement results and also the power that this has by engaging a larger audience within an employer and not only their fertility and family building, but also their overall health. Um, and so that's been really exciting. And, and where we're really focused in the employer space, you won't be surprised, is on partnerships. So again, I'm not trying to conquer the world within the employer space by selling direct. I believe fundamentally that we can unify and work with existing players in the space. I'm not trying to fight a lot of the downstream partners. I'm trying to work with them because I think together we are better. Uh, and so I've been really focused on partnerships within the employer space and, and got a lot of exciting momentum happening there too that I uh, look forward to sharing um, in the, the coming weeks. Um, and then I will say, you know, we have started also some dialogues within the, the payer space. So I'm a big advocate of, again, working with the players to align incentives. And what's funny is, you know, I think we didn't fully realize this when we we built this product, but we're at an interesting juncture where working with Frame, our mission, it aligns with everyone's incentives. It aligns with the end user, it aligns with the employer, it aligns with the provider, it aligns with the payer. And that's unique. And so if anything, we kind of have this interesting challenge where we get a lot of interest from a lot of different angles. Um, and so that's been exciting for us so early on. And I think it's one of the things that you know gets me really excited is everybody wins through frame. And that is very, very impactful, I think, hopefully for, for the end user that we're really trying to impact at the end of the day. That's all. Okay. So help us walk through that equation. I mean, I'm obviously you're right, but I want to make sure. <laughs> so, you know, of course the fertility consumer, you know, the individual, the patient, they're winning because they get access to, you know, these fantastic tools and resources. And, you know, this coach was with, with them on their journey, um, for the provider, the provider has basically like supplemental, you know, they're saving more time because they're able to, you know, help their patient and providing them with tools and resources. Is that right? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you're hitting on, on some yeah. of the core drivers. This was actually yeah. one that I think we were even more excited about after our yeah. early launches. So a few things. So um, we have seen, obviously, this enhanced patient engagement in their care and also mm-hmm. patient satisfaction, which is fantastic. So it was actually bringing in patients that had almost kind of disengaged from seeing their provider and brought them back in, which is great. Um, and that, in turn, actually improves outcomes because mm-hmm. that means they're getting potentially diagnosed and treated for underlying conditions that may go undiagnosed. But it mm-hmm. also means they're engaging in their preventive care. So they're they're coming in for those regular visits with their PCP or OBGYN that, again, may be getting swept under the rug because people perceive themselves almost to be healthy during this time frame, right. which, which makes right. sense. Yes. Um, but then the last piece, which was really cool to hear, is improving efficiency. So you, you hit on this a little bit, which is... We're also helping them shortcut. So, you know, when fertility gets brought up in the last two minutes of maybe your annual well woman visit, they can send a patient to us. We can work with them. We can help them uncover what things may be relevant for their provider and which ones may not. And for the ones that are not as relevant for their provider, we handle all of those kind of in the weeds conversations. So whether that's about diet and lifestyle or their finances and insurance coverage or those awkward conversations they may need to have with their partner, we're handling all of that. And we're just bringing the patient back in for the high value clinical touch points. And even then we've kind of pre-wired the patient to already know how to talk about it. They kind of know the risk factors already. And so it's getting to the answer faster. So may even get them in for blood work or ultrasound or whatever it is faster versus them having to play detective and find where where all the battleships are. It's a, an analogy that my co-founder always says. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind of playing the game of battleship for them. We're already telling yeah. them, okay, this one exists. This is PCOS. This one exists. Yeah. It's um, the fact that you know their partner uses testosterone and smokes marijuana every, every day. So we're already surfacing those key risk factors and a lot of times addressing them. Right. So that's the provider. Yeah. Employer. Employer. So employers yes. like, okay, cool. Like, you know, my employee loves, loves all of these things that we're providing to them. And, you know, they're going to stay on board because, you know, we're really taking care of them. So also the retention. Um, and then it's also I love this is like quizzing, quizzing Abby on us. <laughs> money. I know. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Abby <laughs> has gone to the school of, you know, what well, we used to call it at the beginning of our journey with Rescripted, the continuum of who cares about this problem. <laughs> so, and there we were, there were always like six for us. It was like, you know, yeah. the payer, the employer, the insurance company, the provider, yeah. like the patient, like, all, you know, obviously. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just, you know, going through that, breaking that down for your business. So the employer there, and they're, they're also saving money down the road because they might, you know, this is well care. This yeah. isn't necessarily healthcare. So anyway, break yeah. that down for me in your words. Yeah. Yeah. So th- there's kind of three core things that we, you know, talk about with employers. So, you know, the first one to your point is reducing costs. So hopefully we can help avoid unnecessary fertility treatment whenever possible. Also improving maternity outcomes though, because there are some, you know, outcomes that are impacted when people do go through, you know, a challenging either preconception period or challenging fertility process. Um, And then obviously, again, we're surfacing underlying conditions that may go undiagnosed and thus causing all kinds of other health complications. So reducing costs, Um, improving employee well-being. So again, we're addressing that reproductive anxiety early and potentially lost productivity that kind of comes with some of these elements too. And we're increasing usage of preventive care. Um, And then the last piece is increasing benefit utilization. So this has been another one that's been really interesting and exciting to see, probably something we didn't even fully understand until we got into it, which is, like I said, you know, we're engaging people that are in their 20s and early 30s 
in their fertility and family building, but also about their overall health. So we're actually able to help redirect them to other benefits and services they didn't know they have. And a lot of times that can be something like a mental health benefit. And again, it's it's exciting for an employer because there's a lot of these benefits that don't get used. And so we can be a front door in a lot of different ways and help to engage new audiences and existing benefits and really amplify their other products and services that they have. Oh, I'm so obsessed with frame. No, this makes so much sense. I mean, we've been having the, the conversation internally at Rescripted. Like fertility is health and wellness. Yes. Like people yes. in their 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, they're not going through typical health crises. Right. But who did they who did they see? You know, if you're a female, like men, that's really problematic. You know, that's why you see all of these amazing companies like Legacy and Daddy and, you know, <laughs> the, the list goes on. But for the woman, it's the ob And like, there's such an access problem in the U.S. that so many women don't even have have that. Um, but, right. but anyway, it's like, you're, you're going to be seeing your ob anyway. This has to be some sort of front door. Um, yeah. Like we have to make fertility wellness. It is wellness. Yep. Yep. So. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when you think about all the buckets that I even alluded to earlier that we're kind of quote unquote screening for, that is health and wellness. You're exactly yeah. right. And, yeah. you know, I think our philosophy is by making this digital, by making this scalable, we can be that front door. And then when people do need to see care providers, we can help get them in in an efficient way and help them understand like what to focus on today versus what can wait. Because I think yeah. that's the other thing too, is it can often feel overwhelming when you go online and read some of the, the things that impact fertility, you can feel like, goodness, everything does, right? And so do I need to change everything about my life? And some things are going to matter today. Some things are going to matter when you're trying or closer in. And then some things are going to matter when you are pregnant. And so again, sifting through the noise is hopefully something we can really help people do. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Um, okay. So this one, I'm going to try to like phrase this question without you being like, oh, I can't tell you much more on that. Um, so... <laughs> Um, tell me, so I know you're, you're very interested in partnerships. Yeah. Um, and you're definitely doing something different from the other folks mm -hmm. in the em employee benefit space. Tell, tell me a little bit about your moat and yeah. why others won't do this and yeah. why frame fertility is the winner in this space. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you asking. So there's a couple <laughs> of things that I would point to. Um, and also I'm, I'm not going to be naive enough to say like somebody won't try to do this. Um, because I think that's the reality. And in many ways, like we need multiple players and, you know, multiple arenas. I mean, we have so many crises to solve here, but I would venture to say that even if somebody does get into this space, cause right now we are the only player in, in this kind of specific, uh, area, but even if they do, I don't believe they can deliver it any better than we are uh, because we are very focused on this specific part of the journey. And I think it's easy to say, we're going to do it all. Um, but then I would ask myself, but are you doing it well? Um, and so again, I think in terms of the moat, there's a couple of key pieces. So one is, um, I'll just flat out say the team. I mean, we, like I mentioned earlier, we built the team with the experts. We built the team with the people that have spent their careers on preconception care and counseling, proactive fertility planning. They are our advisors. They are not working with other people. Like we, we really have focused on the expertise and the research. And it's something we regularly review. And these people are just phenomenal. Um, 
And I think with that comes the algorithm that powers that fertility assessment that I mentioned earlier. So we have a way to sift through over 850 data elements and process them, categorize them, and score them so that you get a very simplified view of, like I mentioned, what matters today? Where are you on your journey? Are you on track? Are you off track? Where do you focus, et cetera? And so that's another kind of big element um, that is you know, critical to what we have built. Um, and then the, the final piece I'll say is like, I believe fundamentally, like we have a head start. Like I can see the forest through the trees on this. Um, in many ways, this is the way other spaces have moved. If you think about musculoskeletal, at first it was about, you know, finding you the best surgeon and getting you to that surgeon at the lowest cost possible. Then it was about kind of helping treat your pain so that it doesn't advance into a surgical need. And now it's preventive. Um, and I fundamentally think fertility and family building will move this direction, but we are out in front of this. Again, yes. I, I talked about, we are talking to employers, we're talking to providers, we're talking to payers. Like we are we are out there really digging in with a variety of different partners in a variety of different spaces. And, and what's super cool is, you know, we are talking to people that you may perceive as future competitors and they're flat out telling me, I am not doing this. And I would like to partner with you because we have developed expertise in this area, unlike anyone else. And so I'm not afraid to have those conversations. And I've had them with a lot of the the players in the space and we're discussing ways to partner. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled about that because I think we do, again, we really need to work together, especially in women's health right now. We, we need to partner together to solve so many different challenges. So I'm very optimistic. Um, and I also feel like, again, I think we're off to the races on this for sure. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I think that, I mean, fertility is such, is an industry that is just so lagging behind, like I, where I found challenges at Rescripted in the fertility industry is because it works like no other sub-industry in healthcare. It's mm -hmm. just a little bit different, but we are seeing so much growth in the employer space. And yeah. the reason that matters is because more people will receive the care um, that they undoubtedly need. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I, you know, it's it's obvious that you're ahead of the curve here um, and, you know, are going to be a leader in this space. So, yay, yay. Um, and, you know, another thing that I that I love about you as a founder is that, you know, you you are constantly going back to the data. Um, you yes. guys are, it's, it's so obvious that you're so data-driven and that is, just so fundamental in starting a company and making sure it is successful. Um, I had a, a, an investor remind me of that um, just today. Go back, <laughs> always go back to the data, go back to the data. Yep. I was like, Mike, I am like, come on, <laughs> here are our KPIs. Um, well, cool. Well, so I have one more question for you. Um, our, this podcast is coming to a close, believe it or not, it's crazy how fast, how fast this has gone. Um, so I, the, I always ask this question, uh, yeah. and it is, how would you rescript the fertility industry? But I'm going mm -hmm. to rephrase it um, mm -hmm. because I know you like to use the word reframe. So <laughs> I'm going to ask you, so Jeff, how would you reframe the fertility industry now that you know, now that you know the industry? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. Um, I rescripted, brilliant word. Um, so <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. I mean... You know, again, we, we've talked a lot about the kind of holistic nature of fertility. So maybe I, I won't fall back on that exact example because I feel like we've, we've now alluded to it in multiple different ways. I think that 
the thing that I'm actually really focused on right now um, actually came out of a recent user focus group that we did, uh, which we we are constantly, to your point, gathering data, but also gathering qualitative feedback from our users and non-users. And one of the things that I heard loud and clear, and I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think you probably have, have heard this too, is that fertility often tends to allude to just people of opposite sex or just females. And I think that we really need to re-script that, that word or reframe that word because fertility and family building are not just areas of focus for those that are opposite sex or for women. Um, it is, you know, obviously something to your comment earlier, nine out of 10 people are thinking about. And so it has to be broader. It has to embrace all sexes, all gender identities, all sexual orientations. And so that is something that I'm really mindful of is that, you know, the word fertility may not resonate with everybody. And thus we have to, to some degree, re-script that word and think about, well, what, what is the word? How do we make sure people can identify with frame, but also like with their fertility health. And so that's something that I'm very actively focused on right now. And I think generally, again, you know, I, I think there's a lot of focused on, you know, fertility being a, a women's health topic, but that is just not the case. It is something that is very impactful for women's health, but it is not just something that women uh, are, are quote unquote dealing with. It is a broad topic that has to include the male. Otherwise we're going to be not identifying the underlying issues um, that could be causing fertility challenges. So that's something I'm really focused on right now. And again, I'll, I'll be continued to, to follow the direction of our users. And this is one that I'm, I'm really marinating on to think about how to re-script. That is so fascinating. I, it, it's like the, the word fertility needs a better marketing campaign. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh man. That's, that's awesome. Um, well, how can HR leaders contact you? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so there's our website. There's a form on there that will come to us. Um, we are very responsive. Um, you can also definitely find us on LinkedIn, both company-wise and, and myself. Um, I am actively working to try to be better myself on other forms of social media. I feel like I need some lessons from, from Abby on this. Um, but generally, I think LinkedIn and our website are the best places for you know, B2B partners, HR leaders, um, et cetera, to find us. Um, and so look forward to connecting with many others after this. Awesome. Well, Jess, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and looking forward to catching up with you soon. Likewise, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'm I'm a big fan of, of Rescripted and we definitely direct users your way too. So really excited to be on. Amazing. Catch you later. Thank you for tuning in to the future of fertility. We hope you leave here feeling empowered about all of the exciting innovations taking place in the fertility space. If you like today's episode and want to stay up to date on our podcast, don't forget to click subscribe. To find this episode, show notes, resources, and more, head to rescripted.com and be sure to join our free fertility support community while you're there.